Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon Stanley at BWStanley26 on Twitter. Joined by Alex O'Hari at Future Canes and Matthew Soma at Canes Prospects. So this week, we actually have a pretty short list of things we're going to go through. Not that they will be any less time consuming. Um, We're going to go over, as always, our prospect of the week. We are going to talk a little bit about this last week in Kane's hockey and that horrible, ugly, gross loss they just had to the Detroit Red Wings. And lastly, as we have reached the midway point of the 2021 NHL season, we are going to go through the Carolina Hurricanes roster and assign midterm grades for each player, which should spark up some interesting debate, so I'm looking forward to that much. So, without further ado... Matt, I will let you start on our prospect of the week. Yeah, sorry, we couldn't get Stephen Lorenz on again, folks. So <laughs> we will bring him back. Every we week, appre- trust me. Yeah, if you're listening, to. we appreciate it. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for Stephen Lorenz, uh, it's the episode before this, and we won't take offense. <laughs> sorry, sorry to disappoint. <laughs> so, I had two players picked for prospect of the week this week. And one was based on just like a phenomenal individual effort. And that was Alexander Passion having his four goals and an assist um, factoring in on all five of his team's goals in an overtime victory in the playoffs in the Russian Junior League. But the more I thought about it, um, the more I feel like we have to reward a, a season's worth of accomplishments. And that's Jack LaFontaine here. This week, he was named the Big Ten Goalie of the Year. And I mean... Well-deserved. He was far and away one of the best goaltenders in college hockey this year. I think the only one that you could maybe argue was better than him was Spencer Knight. And LaFontaine was unquestionably the reason why Minnesota was such a good team this year. I think he led the league in shutouts and save percentage. He, He just had a crazy year. And then it was announced earlier um, at the time of recording, so Wednesday, um, that he is a top 10 finalist for the Hobie Baker, uh, which is basically the most valuable player in all of college hockey. So it's, it's pretty easy to say that LaFontaine was the player prospect of the week. And just given the way he's played this entire year, he might end up being the Canes prospect of the year. But- yeah, well, I've said for a while, right, that 
you know, after he kind of fell out of favor there at Michigan that, you know, I kind of, I kind of lost a little faith in him. I mean, obviously his career wasn't on a great trajectory at that point, going from that level of competition down to the, to the B, the BC hockey league, which, you know, it's pretty significant drop in competition overall, but you know, sometimes guys just need to change the scenery. They just need a fresh start somewhere else. And obviously you got things back on the right path there, moved back to Minnesota. And, you know, last year was pretty good for him. Um, he was kind of a 1A, 1B type role last year. And then, you know, this year he just takes a starting gig, runs with it. And now you're talking about one of the best goalies in college hockey as a whole. I mean, you, you have to remember his age, right? And he's older than a lot of the kids he's playing against. Which I'm, it's not. I'm not using it as a slight on him, but I mean, kind of at his age, you would hope um, that he's dominating, uh, kind of the way he's been, especially if you see him as an NHL future. But um, yeah, I definitely like what he's done. Um, great for him to to have his success acknowledged by you know college hockey in general, and you know now he's definitely right on the cusp of potentially earning an NHL gig, maybe in the future, but. Um, yeah, I, I think at this point, he definitely gets an entry-level deal. And um, yeah, I, I've definitely completely 180 on him as a prospect in general. And I mean, you got to think as well, like college hockey is a weird league where, I mean, you have players that are 18, but you also have players who are, you know, 24, 25. And that's just kind of how it happens with college hockey. So, you know, while he is on the older end, it's not like he's, you know, playing against a bunch of lesser prospects like he was in the bchl like i mean you know for the most part the yeah. ncaa is pretty solid in terms of uh level of competition especially in the big 10 i won't linger here too long because we've already talked kind of at length about la fontaine over the past few weeks on this podcast so i mean obviously it's a well-deserved award and he's been fantastic uh the one player i will say is trying to throw his hat into the ring for hurricanes prospect of the year is tuka Tiexla. and i know you guys want to talk about him at least a little bit considering how strongly he's come on the last few weeks he's another man, guy we've talked about a lot so, here but man i, I was, I was gonna mention him too i was gonna yeah, mention him too especially after the game he had today which wednesday is wednesday the 17th yes i think it's the 17th St. patty's day great oh just just a fantastic game from him today he had I a mean, goal he was involved with vision. two assists oh man i still like elias lindholm uh as a comparable i just i like i'm fine with tara Vinen as a comparable i just when i watch him i see a lot of the same things you know that elias lindholm did in carolina that he might not have really gotten credit for or we never really right. saw um well, you know we really didn't of, want to see yeah or didn't really manifest the way they should have um when he was here but things that have kind of really you know presented themselves in calgary and how he's emerged as a player there i just uh, i'm just with you guys i love the overall vision you gotta love the skating ability you know Mm -hmm. his edge work his hands just his hockey sense he's just he's got a lot to like in a player obviously you know he's got the size limitation that you hope he can overcome at the NHL level, but you know, a lot of guys have done that. The league is getting younger. It's getting faster. So I think he's got a better chance today than you would say 10 years ago. Uh, but you know, he's still young and he's a guy that you continue to develop for the future. And he's looking great in a, in a men's league. And that, that was kind of the biggest concern um, with him last year when he was sent back to U20 was that he wasn't ready to compete. And this year, I mean, it took him a while to get started. I think it took him, between 15, 20 games to get his first point and kind of get his sea legs. Um, But then as soon as he got his first point 
everything clicked all at once. And boom, now he's getting top line minutes, rightfully so, on a team that's not not the best, but I mean, they are much better with TXL in the lineup. And like we said, we ha- he had a three-point game uh, at the time we were recording this. Um, his first assist, just a great play to get behind the net and then find the player back door. His next play... And again, I mentioned this um, after watching Tiaxla right after we drafted him in a tournament. I said, Tiaxla is a player that has perfected the art of the cross-ice pass, similar to how Tervo Teravainen does. There are very few players who are that good at making a cross-ice pass through traffic as a guy like Tervo Teravainen, or as we saw uh, against the Red Wings like Martin Natchez passing it through four Red Wings defenders and somehow landing it on the tape. So, I mean, I didn't see the goal, but it's just, he has that. It's almost like a tangible amount of skill with how, what he can do with the puck. So he was, he was another option I considered. I also considered Anthony Hawke, who I found out today is on a six game point streak, Uh, seven points in his last six games, but in the end, I just decided, you know, Jack LaFontaine, the complete season, was the prospect of the week. And, I mean, it's it's a good problem to have that I have to actually like, think hard about who the prospect of the week is, you know? Because we've had so many good performances and we've had so many players that are, like, you know, doing well that deserve a spot. And so, I mean... Well, I mean, I'd rather this than the situation, I think it was a few weeks ago now, when you were, like man, I've kind of got nothing, you know, like no <laughs> yeah. case prospects really did anything this week. But yeah, one more thing I'll say on TXL is I think anyone, you know, that's really played close attention to the situation as a whole, just, you just knew that he really just severely outgrown the level of competition he was playing at before in the Finnish junior league. I mean, he just skates circles around those guys. Um, it was kind of funny. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was funny to watch. You just saw like how, how, like how many levels above that, those players that he was, um, so I mean I'm not surprised at all to see the success he's having in in, in the in the top Finnish uh, men's league now against you know top competition he's playing against grown men. Yeah, and I mean I think one thing we should mention um, before we we move on is we did have some prospects whose seasons ended before um, certain prospect seasons began, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but um, we did have uh, Kevin Wall, Cade Weber, Dominic Fensori. I think that's it from the NCAA. Um, Blake Murray's season in Sweden ended. And he's over. His loan is over. But, I mean, if the OHL ever gets it together, he will play in the OHL. From from my situation here um, in Ontario, based off what I hear um, on the daily from, I guess... I guess it's the Ministry of Health um, in Ontario that kind of decides everything that's going on. But I'm at this point, I've kind of I've kind of exhausted any hope that there's going to be an OHL season this year. It just doesn't seem like they're going to be able to figure it out. I mean, they've kind of presented the same kind of, uh, you know, return to play plans that both the WHL and uh, QMJHL have already gone forward with. But for some reason with the Ontario ministry, it's just not good enough. So uh, I've kind of exhausted any hope of the OHL resuming this year. So I'm going to assume that the prospects like Jamison Reese and Ryan Suzuki and the other guys uh, that would be playing in the OHL normally um, that they'll remain in their current places. And so I'm going to assume that Blake Mary's season is over. Um, I guess anything can change, but at this point, I'm just going to say that I don't think it's likely that, you know, anybody is going to be playing in the OHL this year. 
And it sucks because there's so many players that aren't playing this year in the OHL. Like there, there are a lot of players that couldn't get European loans. There are a lot of players that can't go to the AHL, you know, and like, I think the more I see players from the OHL signing AHL and ECHL tryouts, yeah. the more I kind of, I guess the more the seeds of doubt agree. kind of grow. Yeah. Like, like, I would I, love to have an OHL season, but I doubt it happens. Of course, and I think it sucks um, just beyond just uh, the Hurricanes prospects. I think it sucks for a lot of guys, you know, draft eligibles who, you know, they want to get some tape out there to show scouts what they can do. Um, and not only that, but guys in their overage seasons and, you know, guys who are approaching the end of their junior careers who aren't going to have a chance to kind of finish up what they started and the journey they've had to get to where they are now. And it's just I feel bad for those guys. And, right. Yeah, like I mentioned, uh, the draft eligibles who, you know, they just you obviously want as much tape out there as you can. So it's it's just an unfortunate situation for everybody. All right, and then the last two prospects whose seasons ended um, were both in Russia: Alexander Nikitin and Pyotr Kachikov. Um, we'll have to wait till April thirtieth um, to see where Kachikov's going. Nikitin's going to stay with his team, but I mean, I have no idea where the hell Kachikov's going to go whether it's Russia or whether it's, you know, another European team, whether it's the AHL, who knows, but I think it's time to move on. Ah, I don't think he's ready for that. So I don't, I wouldn't hate if he stayed in Europe, but he would have to go to a team where he would just get to play a team where he can play for sure. Yeah. Yeah, He definitely needs reps. And when he was with the team uh, with, uh, I think it was torpedo. Like he was getting playing time. At least he was playing well. He showed showed reason to be optimistic. He just needs some consistent playing time somewhere. Yeah, it's just Russia's not a good league to develop in. Well, and that's why I said hopefully he just comes over here. Yeah, who knows? But we do need to move on. I've spent too much time on this already. I mean, I could talk, you know, for days about the Kane system. Moving on. We'll at least touch a little bit here on the last few games the Hurricanes have played. Obviously, last night was just kind of one of those nights the Hurricanes were on an eight-game winning streak, and they didn't have a great game against Detroit. I don't. You know, I'm not even really sure it's worth going into too much more detail than that because sometimes you have off nights in the in the NHL. But I do want to say one thing and kind of present this idea to you guys. A lot of times I've given Reimer a lot of grace because even when he hasn't had a particularly great game, it seems like the Hurricanes make a push and then he makes a big save when they need it. Like even in games he'll give up three or four goals. I can think back to quite a few key saves he's made that kind of made the difference. And that's, that's the one reason I gave a little bit of thought to the whole idea of, well, he keeps winning. You know, that's like the argument that the Reimer defenders have right now is, Oh, look at his record. But last night it felt like maybe the third goal is the only one you want to kind of say, you know, it was a great play by Dylan Larkin and a one-timer from right out front. Yeah. He probably could have had it. I don't know, but all three goals he probably could have had, and they all seemed to come at times where the Hurricanes were mounting a game, and it sucked the wind out of them. So the question I have for you guys, at what point do you think Rod finally starts to give Ned more starts? Do you think it's ever going to happen, or do you think he's just going to keep alternating them back and forth until Peter Morazic is back? Yeah, I mean, um, what I would say is I'm not sure that you know, James Reimer has been quite as bad as maybe the fan base has made him out to be. I think, you know, I think 
the great performances from Peter Morozik and, you know, the elite play we've seen from Alex Nedeljkovic so far is kind of, you know, it, it, it's kind of amplified unfairly um, against Reimer that, you know, people are kind of expecting maybe more from him than they should have. And I think Reimer overall has been, you know, at least solid. He's been average. Um, obviously, he's not a 1A goalie, which is the role he's been propelled into. And as soon as as soon as Mirazik went down, I had questions about if, you know, if James Reimer could really handle the workload. And obviously, Rod is going to be going to you know, a 1A, 1B situation where he's giving both guys reps. You can make the argument that Nedeljkovic has earned more reps based on his play. But, I mean, you just know with what the kind of coach that Rod Brindamore is that just with the with the type of goalie you have in James Reimer, um, he trusts him, right? Because James Reimer is a calm presence in net. He, he doesn't wander quite the same way that Peter Morozik and Alex Nedeljkovic do. And I just think that, you know, I don't think Mur- – I don't think that Reimer has been nearly as bad as, you know, that kind of the fan base is, it feels like they've turned on him um, to a point where it's just any, any mistake he makes or any goal that he lets in almost. It's like, you know, where's Nedeljkovic? It's a tough one for me because I don't think he's been, you know, outstanding or anything, but I do think that he's been adequate. Um, I do think that he gives you a chance to win games. As you said, Brandon, I think that especially um, in third periods, dating back to even the beginning of the year. I mean, he's elevated as the game's gone on, his game's got tight. So I think he's been fine overall. I'd, I would like to see more starts for Ned just because I, I do see him as a better future option. I mean, I, I can't see James Reimer being resigned in the, in the off season, no matter how it plays out. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. And I do think that even though I've been critical of Reimer as well, I, I have to. some, like, pe- make no some people, yeah, some people have maybe, acting like he's Scott Darling, I think it's a little over the top. But you don't have to play a different goalie every night. (laughs) I made a joke last night. I was like, when when Rod saw Bernier starting the both games against or uh, both games against us, did he look around and say, hey, that's not allowed? Are they like is that is that legal? Can he start both games? Like Tampa Bay isn't playing Curtis McElhaney what once every couple of weeks. And I don't really mean to compare Alex Nedukovic to the best goalie on the planet, but it's very obvious that one goalie is outperforming the other. It's very obvious that one gives you a little bit better of a chance to win. And maybe he thinks that the Hurricanes score so many goals in front of him, it's a chemistry or a mental thing for the team or something. I have no idea. But at some point, I would like to see Ned get, when we have three days off, let him get the next game too. If he's going to keep playing at the level he's been at, ride the hot goalie. Yeah, know? no, no. I totally agree with you. And before I let Matt talk, I will just say this. <laughs> based based on the goaltending we've been subjected to over the years as Hurricanes fans, I will take this version of James Reimer any day over the stuff we've had to endure over the years. That's all I'm going to say. You see Boston fans kind of doing the same thing with like an actually good goalie. So I don't think it's exclusive to our fan base, but at the same time, like, <sighs> ah, Kane's Twitter. <laughs> I love you guys. You're awesome. I don't follow any of you on the prospects account because sometimes y'all are just a little too much. And that's just need why, to get away. <laughs> that's why, that's why I have Kane's net front. Like, and that's the thing. It's like, I'm seeing a lot of Wardian hate um, where the team is good and we're not used to having a good thing. So we're trying to find something bad. 
to complain about because we all want to be happy about this team. We all want to, right? But we know that not too long ago, there was nothing to be happy about this team. We're trained for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> yeah, it's like we, we don't trust it. It's like the Canes <laughs> could win four cups in a row and the Canes fans would still be like, God, we're getting punked. Like we're waiting for Ashton Kutcher to jump out of the bushes and be like, ah, gotcha. You know, like we we just we need to learn that like we have a good thing in front of us and we need to appreciate that because someday it's going to be gone someday the team's not going to be good again you know like that's just kind of how it works even the Detroit Red Wings like they were a dynasty late 90s early 2000s and I mean they have this long streak of making the playoffs now they're one of the worst yeah. teams yeah now it's like existence. oh my god we lost to the detroit red wings right. you know kane's twitter is in a panic because we lost we lost to them twice man though. that's the only but thing here's the thing like usually canes the canes this season have found a way to win when they've been playing terribly they against nashville the other week they had five minutes of good hockey in an entire game yeah they won the game three two in overtime but going back to goalies, and this is kind of what I'm trying to get at. It's like Reimer's kind of been the whipping boy of the franchise this season. And while I'll agree, he has not looked good, and I don't think he is it. I, I would like to see Nadelkovic, but I also admit that the team finds ways to win even when Reimer's playing poorly, or by his standards, poorly. You know, like Ned's been fine. I, I still don't think the team views him as the solution moving forward. I think this is kind of... I, I still think they might be, hey, this guy might be a flash in the pan. Um, and that, that does kind of worry me. I do have that little thought in the back of my head that's like, when's the shoe going to drop for Ned? You know? But, I mean, if there's one thing we've learned about Rob these past three years is that he's a guy that sticks to his guns and he sticks to his system. His system is rotating goalies. Like, until we get a true, like, bona fide number one goaltender... We're not going to be seeing, you know, some guy get the lion's share of the starts. It's going to be a fairly even balance. And I think while I would like to see Ned get maybe one or two more starts than he is already getting, like, it's not going to happen. That's the thing is that at some point it just doesn't make sense to me that, like, you could very easily manage their workloads to where Ned just gets like, you know, every couple of starts that Reimer would have gotten, he gets pushed back a day and Ned gets another one. Like, it yeah. doesn't even have to be, like, 80-20. Just give it, like, 60-40 or 55-45 right. even. Like I think what – what um another thing to consider, especially in, like, the Detroit game, is even if Ned was in net, the Canes weren't going to win that game. With the way they played throughout that full 60 minutes, there was absolutely no way that they would have won that game. There and was so- one point I was making, though, is every time they seemed to kind of start to dominate and start to carry the play, it seemed like – well, a penalty came up first, but then like a goal that just kind of squeaks through. That was like my big thing about Reimer last night. It's like they weren't even picking corners. He kept getting beat through him. Like there was just like yeah. holes that like the shots were was, going into was, him and through him. It was a tough game. It was it, yeah. it was a tough game, but I, I seriously think that the Canes did not play their best game. They, oh, they definitely did. And no. Ned would not have made the difference in that no, game. No, it, it wasn't Maybe their best you game, right? Aside from like the disciplinary issues, I actually didn't hate the effort overall. Yeah, I mean, it was just the Canes. It was just spurts, though. 
they had a bad they had a bad game and you know mm-hmm. what like they won eight in a row whatever tampa has bad yeah. games too yeah. and they also lost two games straight to both this year's detroit red wings and this year's national predators so i mean elite teams have off nights it's fine yeah and i mean we're 27 we're, we're like 27 and one right like yeah. we're, we're fine yeah. we're fine they're fine this team this team is a good hockey the, the team. sky is not falling it is not time to press the panic button it is not time to force a trade for Eric Stahl. It is not time to do anything, to but, but just sit back and enjoy the ride for now. It's it's not it's not time to you don't have to ask too many questions. But speaking of of which, um, I did have one fan um, DM me on Twitter today, and he kind of asked me, you know, was last night kind of the tipping point of, you know, that's kind of it for the James Reimer experiment and. It, it's undoubtedly that we have to go to a Morozik and Ned tandem, you know, when Morozik is back, back in the mix. And I just said, it, I, don't, I just don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, it, it, just because mostly just because of the style of play um, from both Peter Morozik and Alex Nedeljkovic, who are both, you know, extremely aggressive goalies. They both like to wander. They both like to play the puck. And I just think with a tandem of those two, I mean, you, you 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 would cut to Rod Brindamore on the bench every minute or two in the game, and his hair would be turning gray. Every it'd be more gray every time you looked at him. You know, every time the pan yeah. the the camera panned to him, he'd have more gray hair. So I just think with a guy like James Reimer back there, um, you know, who's very calm, collective, um, he's very just steady and solid and net. Um, I just I think Rod Brindamore has a sense of trust in that in that kind of a goaltender more than he would maybe in. Amorazic or Nedeljkovic, especially at his age and an experience level, which I can't really fault him for. Right. Okay. The narrative about Ned, though, and yes, he plays the puck a ton, but I can think of a few instances where he made some very dangerous plays his first couple of games. But his last few, I feel like he's done a pretty good job of picking his spots. And you know that's something they're working with him on. Definitely. be a little bit less, like, you know, careless. And I do think that narrative is maybe starting to die down just a little bit, or maybe it deserves to be, is what I'm trying I mean, to say. With Nadelkovich, sure, he's learning as he goes, but I mean, with Mirazik, sometimes you're just like, man, like, where are you going, you know? For me personally, I love it. I love seeing a goalie play like that, but I mean, if you're a, the head coach of the hockey team, like, sometimes when you see uh, Mirazik going out almost to the blue line to play the damn puck, you're like, my God, please just stay in your net, you know? It's giving yeah, you but David if he does it, flashbacks. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. But, like, if they're doing it and they're keeping the puck out of the net, doing a better job of keeping the puck out of the net than James Reimer is, that should be your tandem. That's just me. I don't know what Rod's going to do. I, I, I'm i cautiously optimistic. You know, I, this yeah. is kind of that same thing where we're all, like, worried, like, oh, he's going to play the guy that's, you know, not playing as well right now. He's going to keep him over Ned. I, I, I think that the evidence is starting to mount that Peter Morazic and Alex Nadelkovic should be the tandem going forward. So I think something to keep in mind here is that this is a Carolina Hurricanes team that's still playing well and still playing this well without Vincent Trocek, Tavo Teravainen, Jake Gardner, Peter Morazic. So you're missing two top six forwards. You're missing arguably a top four defenseman and one of your second power play unit defensemen. And you're missing your starting goalie. Like, and the fact that the Carolina Hurricanes are still able to be a competitive team, 
not only a competitive team, but to win games. Eight game win streak with these guys right. out of the lineup. The team's going to be fine. Like we're Trocek. Yes. If he's out week to week, it's going to stink because you know, we could have used him against Detroit. We could have used that body in front of the net. But that's something I made a point of last night. It's like Bernier had like a clear sideline to every single shot he saw on that mark. And yeah. every rebound, it seemed like it was cleared right away. There was nobody there. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, if if the Canes can just be how they've – I mean, I'm not talking about going on another eight-game win streak, but just have the consistent efforts that they have had with these guys out, they'll be fine. It's just when the team's effort starts to slip, that's when that's when things start to go downhill. Yeah. Well, anyway, like we said, eight-game win streak. They had a bad game and lost it. It's fine. Yeah. Well, there's really no reason to dwell too much on these last few games. If you sit spot. really still and listen, you can still feel the world spinning. <laughs> yes, that is very true. <laughs> Let's move into our grades for the 2020-21 Carolina Hurricanes. Should we even call it 2020-21? It should just be 2021, right? I mean, the season started in January. I mean, I guess that's the politically correct way to do it. You know, I've thought about that a few times. Like the 2021, well, we didn't really play this season in 20. So 2021 Carolina Hurricanes. Okay, before we get started here, um, I'm just going to clarify that my uh, my grades specifically are – based off you know my relative expectations for each individual player because we're talking about a 20 win team here I mean in the right. grand scheme of things you can kind of just give everybody an A and move on from it but you know based to the this the expectations I had for each guy going into this season um, you know based off last year based off their career history and just based on my individual um, expectations for each guy I'm going to be basing it off of you know just how they've performed this year um compared to how I expected them to perform because like like Brandon mentioned before the show you can just say you know Aho he's a 1c scored 40 goals last year he's an a you know but um so it's just based on this season um in general so expectations this like performance this season I think overall team fit is something I kind of looked at too so we'll go ahead and jump into the first player on the list I guess I'm going first tonight so Sebastian For Sebastian Ajo, I gave him an A-. minus. Um, he's developed into a true two-way 1C this year. He hasn't, I guess, had you know one of his patented goal-scoring runs where it seems like every single shot goes in. But his play in all situations, his development defensively, and just the center ice position has really been one of the biggest strengths of the Carolina Hurricanes this year. So I gave Sebastian Ajo an A-. minus. So... I'm going to give Sebastian Ajo an A because, I mean, he leads the team in points right now. And while he maybe hasn't scored as many goals as we were thinking, the Canes are getting goals from pretty much everybody in the lineup right now. Um, So I think just, you know what, like the fact that Ajo has been this good already and we still haven't even seen, you know, the true dominant Sebastian Ajo that we've seen, it's impressive. And there's there's no denying that he is a danger on the penalty kill on the power play, just wherever he is on the ice, like he is going to be noticed. He's going to be the first thing that teams take attention to. You know, I can't really fault um, either of your guys' grades. I'm actually at a B plus. Um, I just think, you know, without Tar- Tibo Teravainen um, beside him, he hasn't quite taken over games the way I would have liked. Um, I mean, not to say anything bad about him because uh, he's been playing fine, um, contributing in all areas, all situations. I just... I know he has another gear to give 
and um, that's kind of my A level for him. So right now I'm at a B plus, but I'm sure, um, you know, as the season progressive uh, progresses, we'll see him kind of climb up my ladder a little. Yeah, that's fair. And especially like right now, it's kind of like all these injuries are starting to mount. This would really be a great time for him and Svechnikov both to really just kind of go takeover mode and beat this team while these guys are down. All right. So moving on, the second player on our list is none other than rookie defenseman Jake Bean. So for Bean, again, as Alex said, I kind of did mine the same way. Relative to expectations, I gave him the same grade I gave Sebastian Ajo, and that's an A-. minus. Um, Bean has come a long way over the last few weeks. Uh, seemingly every game, his defensive game seems to get a little bit better. He seems to be more comfortable out there. Um, he's now quarterback in that second power play unit, doing a fantastic job there. Um, not a physical presence, but I, I've really been impressed with his compete level and his willingness to kind of mix it up in the dirty areas and go into the corners and take contact or dish a little bit out. Um, and obviously his hockey IQ and offensive game as a whole have pretty much been as advertised. So as I said, A minus for me for Jake Bean. I'm giving Jake Bean an A plus. Wow. And he will actually get my highest grade. And this is purely based on there's no way that I would have expected Jake Bean to have 10 points in his first 18 games this season. No way whatsoever. And the fact that it took him a couple games for him to really get going this year. I mean, I think it was his first three games. He didn't have a point. Yeah, it was three or four. Yeah. And there's no denying that he fits on the team's power play. And uh, I saw a tweet from Cam Robin Robinson uh, from elite prospects the other day saying basically that there were zero defensemen that had a higher points per 60 than Jake Bean this season. Zero. He's not getting a ton of ice time and he's still managing to make the most of it and be a catalyst for this team's offense. Not even just like a, a contributor. I wouldn't even say he's been like a compliment. Like he is truly becoming basically the cornerstone of the offense on the back end. And we've seen it with Dougie this season where he, he's been phenomenal in terms of getting assists. And we're starting to see Jake Bean develop into that role too. And I think Jake Bean, just from a pure shock as to how well he's fit on the team, just from that standpoint, that's why he's getting an A+. Well, uh, I guess it looks like I'm going to be kind of the teacher that you hated in school. You know, you thought you did good on an assignment and maybe that your grade didn't match up. I've actually got a B plus um, for Jake Bean. Not even a bad grade. What are you talking about? I thought it's, you were about it's to give not like a bad. But I mean, compared to you right. guys giving A's out here, and I, I just like listen. I think you know, offensively, he's been kind of exactly what I expected from him. I, I've known he's a dynamic player. I mean, you, you could see it at every level. But I will say that if you're going to bring his points um, into the argument, you know, kind of a lot of them have just been routine passes on the power play. I don't think I've actually don't think we've seen, um, you know, quite. The, the ceiling he's got to give yet, especially offensively. I think he's got more uh, to give, especially, you know, as his role continues to increase. But the thing for me that's kind of limited his grade a little is, you know, we have seen some defensive lapses that were kind of expected just, you know, with positioning issues and obviously being overpowered a little physically. There was a couple of times where he kind of got walked, but I mean, it's all part of learning, but that's kind of why I have him in the, you know, the B percentile instead of the A, because 
I, I know what he is as a player. I know he's never going to be a lockdown defensive guy, but I do think he's definitely got room to grow um, in that regard overall. So I can't really put him in the A category yet. I, I do think he'll grow into that type of player, but I, I just think he's still got some things to clean up defensively before I can really rank him as highly as you guys. That's fair. All right, so as we continue on our alphabetical order, the next player on the list is a newcomer, free agent signee Jesper Faust. And for Jesper, I said he kind of took a few weeks to get going. Um, obviously, COVID didn't help. He was one of the players that was out missing time. And when he got back, like, well, all of the other guys except for Jordan Stahl, who was obviously just not human, um, kind of took some time to find his footing and adapt to the system. But I think he's come on really strong of late and is starting to be much more noticeable on a much consistent basis. He works hard, plays the body, kind of provides another veteran steadying grinding presence and especially alongside Jordan Stahl I really like that uh that fit with them two next to each other a lot um I gave him a b minus yeah I'm giving him a c plus I mean he's been fine <laughs> as of late Fost has been really really good offensively but I'm, I'm still you know waiting for him to kind of come back down to earth um he's been exactly what we signed him for and you can't really fault him for that. I just don't think he's, for the majority of his time this season, he's just kind of been okay, and he's done what he's been asked to do. And then recently, recently he's been a lot better. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty neutral on Foss as a player. Yeah. I guess uh, the tables are turning here a little because I actually had Jesper Foss as a solid B, mostly because of what you guys said Um He's literally done exactly what I expected him to do um, in the role. It took maybe a, took a couple of games for him to kind of adjust in. But, I mean, what we've seen from him the last, I guess, maybe I'd say month or so since he came back from the COVID break, especially, you know, by the game, he keeps he's getting better, as you guys said. Um, he's contributing on all units. I actually didn't expect him to play on the power play, so... You know, I give him bonus points for that, but uh, he's been, he's done exactly what I expected from him. And, you know, while he's never really going to be a dynamic element of any team, I think of the bottom six forwards on the Hurricanes, uh, I think he's been among the best of them. So for me, he's been, he's been a B so far. All right. (laughs) Up next, this is about to get fun. I will start this one off. (laughs) For me, for me, Hayden, I love you. But for me, He's been a B. He's been a B because you're gonna say I mean, Hayden, I love you, and then still give him a good grade, huh? <laughs> uh, no, a B, a B for me is 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 average. You know, like a B is kind of like my C my is average. Grade. What are you even doing? This damn no, Canadian no, no. system. Listen, no, no, what are no. We even listen, doing here? listen. No, no, no. C for me is a little harsh. He's been fine. Like, listen, you guys can point to the points or whatever, or whatever kind of argument you're gonna make not to give him a B because I, I already know what's coming from you guys. I, I, <laughs> I, I've I've prepared myself for this, but listen. For the absolute thrashing. No, no, d- d- no <laughs> defensively, he has been exactly um, as I expected. He's physical. Um, he's been a steady presence beside Jake Bean. And offensively, he's still making plays. Just things aren't quite clicking for him. Um, I guess the way it is for some other guys on the team. But, I mean, like he's getting shots through. Um, he's making good passes. He's still leading the rush. Um, I have him as a B because, for me, my A level um, for Hayden Fleury is kind of, you know, um, the version of him we saw in the playoffs last year, especially in that Boston series where you know you can make the, you can make the argument 
uh, he was among the best defensemen on the team in that series. Like he was that good. So I think he's got another level to reach. He's not quite there right now because maybe, you know, the role, he's not really playing all that much and the distribution isn't quite where it should be. I think he's definitely got a lot more to offer than we're seeing, but he hasn't been bad in any way that can justify giving me, giving him less than a B grade. Alex, I mean, we give you a lot of shit for this, you know, but like in reality, like it's all love and anybody is allowed to like whichever Canes player they like, you know, like we just want to clarify, like this is all done in jokes and out of love. Like obviously we don't hate Hayden Flurry. Obviously we're not going to, you know. Yeah. I, I don't like where you're going with this. I'm not giving him anything lower than a C, but I also don't think he deserves anything higher than a C. And, it, and it's nothing against the player. And I think you, you mentioned like he's not the player that he was in the Boston series. And I think that the player Hayden Fleury was in the Boston series is who Hayden Fleury is at his peak. He hasn't hit that level this season. He's been fine. You know, he, he's been a good third pairing defenseman on a team that realistically has six top four defensemen. You've got Jake Bean, Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin, Brett Pesci, Lady Fang, um, and Jake Gardner. Like that's, you know, six, five and a half uh, top four defense. <laughs> and so he's been fine. And you know what? Like he's filling like the Trevor Van Riemsdyke, you know, good sixth defenseman role perfectly. But it's nothing above my expectation for him. You know, like it's not, I'm not wowed by his play, but I'm not disappointed by his play. I wish he would have a point this season, but it's, it's not going to affect my grade because I know that's not what type of player he is. And I'm kidding myself if I, if I'm going to judge Hayden flurry on his points, you know, like, so he's been fine is what I'm getting at. Yeah, um, that's what I gave him. I gave him a C. And honestly, it has nothing to do with his point total. I, I mean, I'm the same way. It would be great if he could – well, it's like Alex said. It's like it's not like he's not been snake bitten a little bit. He's had right. some chances here and there, and some guys haven't finished some chances he's created. So it's really not that. It's just I want him to more consistently be aggressive in pretty much everything he does. Jumping up into the play, playing the body. I mean – that's what we saw him last year. We saw him play with conviction. I think it's like the best him way to have it. his child so he can have that like dad energy that Jordan Stahl has. <laughs> he's seriously, you know what? Then he's going to be a Norris Trophy defenseman. Like that's. <laughs> yeah, and I, I really like the pairing of him and Jake Bean. Right, but and... I just feel like at times he's been too passive and you know and, and kind of soft on pucks a few times. There's been a couple of turnovers or. You know, and all defensemen have that, so maybe it's really not even fair to single him out for that. But Jacob Slavin was that for the first half. Yeah, well, and season. he was also coming back from COVID, so I mean, well, yeah, but, but anyway, you know, it's the same standard. Yeah, um, I, the reason I, I'm giving him a C is because I know there's more in him, and yeah. I want him to be the player that he's capable of being. And sometimes, you know, at times this season, he just really hasn't been that. No, no, I will agree with you, and I'll, I'll wrap this up quickly because, you know, we got to keep moving here. But I will say from, you know, the perspective of somebody who watches Hayden Flurry like a hawk, um, 
he does kind of look um, a little passive to me in the way that I would say, you know, he kind of, he kind of just looks afraid to make um, a mistake, mistake. Yep. A, a mistake because, you, you know, with the, the way the minutes have been distributed, especially with the top four playing so much and, you know, seven defensemen who all deserve to be in the lineup. He kind of looks like he's just trying to, you know, just look solid and not make any mistakes to risk, you know, coming out of the lineup because of how many players there are in the mix for those roles. So I think, I think he's kind of just got to let his skill um, and IQ take over because he's a smart hockey player. And when he's on, he's a very effective defenseman. He could play in a lot of top fours in this league. And I think the more minutes you play with him, um, the better he is going to produce for you. So I just don't think this is the right role for him, but obviously you can't really elevate his role based on what you have now. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. So the next player on the list as we continue in the Fs, Warren Fogel. And this is another one that I kind of went back and forth on because, again, it's relative to expectations. And I almost felt bad giving him a worse grade than this, so I just went ahead and gave him a C. To me, he kind of is what he is at this point. He's had games here and there where he's been noticeable and even contributed offensively. His work ethic never really wavers. He just... Man, there's just so many times that a pass or even a turnover is right on his tape, and it seems like he just skates right past it or misses it. And offensively, he just has his struggles that I, I don't know. It's it's easy for me to criticize sitting with my broadcast view, and he should have done this, this, or this, but he continues to be a player that I wish we got more of you know, the playoff version of him, you know, he, he has these little stretches where he was like one of the best players on the ice. And you're just like, is next year the year that he figures it all out and is able to play with that same pace and, you know, overall impact. And it just never really comes to fruition. He's a very inconsistent player and his like actual on ice impact for me. I think Steven Lorenz has outplayed him significantly and deserves that, you know, that could be one of the spots that maybe gets shifted around. Um, once the team is healthy again, but anyway. I'm going to give him a C plus because I think a lot of the Warren Fogel hate this season has kind of been unjustified. And again, it kind of comes to the point where Canes fans, like we as Canes fans are looking for something to complain about. At Brandon, me next I, time. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's everybody. It's everybody. Like for whatever reason, everybody's taking a dump on Fogel this season on Twitter. And I don't really know why, like, I think that I may not have tweeted this. It's one of those things that I, it comes in like the drafts, but it doesn't leave my head really of where Fogel at his ceiling is probably a 35 point guy. And that's kind of the pace that he's been on this season. Like, you know, not great, but you know, it's, it's an above average fourth liner and like a, an average to below average third line player. That's kind of what we've gotten Warren Fogel. And I think he's been that this season. He's been a good presence. I don't think he has that kind of snarl and energy that he has on a consistent basis. I think that there have been times where I've been noticing his lack of physicality because usually he's one of those guys that provides the spark, you know, I guess the Canes have so many of those guys on this team that, you know, he doesn't have to just be that player. But, um, yeah, C+. Plus. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with Brandon here at um, a firm C. 
I think it's kind of the inconsistency for me that has kind of, you know, I I haven't soured on him uh, per se, but I've always said about Warren Fogle that, you know, if his if his hands could catch up to his feet, he would be a hell of a player. But he also kind of lacks a little hockey sense as well in that regard. So I just think he is what he is. He's kind of a good bottom six forward who, you know, you're not really going to get contributions from every game. Um, he could be a good piece and a good component to the lineup, but he's not really going to be the difference maker that, you know, maybe we expected him to be when he scored 27 goals for Charlotte or, you know, when he had that incredible playoff series against Washington. I just think, you know, it's a bit unrealistic to expect that from him. So, yeah, he's he's probably a C for me, I think. And there's a case to be made that, you know, AHL point totals can kind of inflate the fans' perception of a player's value. I definitely yeah, think it matters how Fogel you get that those it did. points. Right, yeah. I, I think with Fogel, it really did because he was never a scorer like that at the junior level. And he kind of just had that breakout year. And I was like, oh, man. And then when he came in, too, and he scored what? He scored like two goals in two games in his first call up. Yeah. And everyone's like, wow. You know, it's right guy. place, right time. A- exactly. And, uh, and I was just like, man, like, I hope this doesn't take you know, expectations kind of unrealistic or out of whack because he's just not this kind of player. And um, I think that's kind of why he's gotten a bad rep this year because he hasn't really taken the step forward offensively that maybe some people were expecting, but I just, I've never expected him to be that kind of guy. You know who else we're seeing this from this year? Morgan Geeky. The expectations yeah. that yeah. Canes fans had for Geeky. Exactly. Absolutely the same. So honestly, Geeky's I don't still got a higher ceiling, but... For me, but for like for what I'm saying though, it's like Geeky had unrealistic expectations set before him this season by a yeah. lot of fans, and I right. don't think it's fair to grade him. That's my opinion. <laughs> so the next player on the list um, is Jake Gardner. Now, obviously, this is a little bit of a tougher grade because he's been out for kind of a while now. He's only played in 17 games this season, and I almost kind of feel bad that I gave him a B. It would probably be higher if not for the injury, because of how well he's played. And, you know, obviously with being subsequent emergence kind of muddles things a little bit, but he was fantastic in all three zones before the back ailment. He was really everything the Hurricanes acquired him to be. Yep. I give him a B. I mean, you know, I think he was great. Or I think he was good, but not great. And that's my analysis here. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had him at a B plus, um, mostly just because I think defensively he's held up a little better than maybe I expected him to based off last year and as well as how vital he's been to the Canes' puck movement, especially in transition. You've definitely noticed it with him out of the lineup, how good he's been in that regard. So he's at a B-plus and would probably be at an A-minus um, if not for the injury and recency bias a little, but he's he's been superb. Our last G on the Carolina Hurricanes roster is another guy that has not played in that many games this season, and that is Morgan Geeky. Um so we kind of discussed that this was a little bit of a tough one to grade. I did give him a grade. I gave him a B minus. Um, he's been much better now that he's been playing with a little bit more talent. He's not a four C for me, despite that being how he's deployed, but alongside Lorenz, they've been very noticeable all over the ice. Um, and I really think he could be in a lot of teams, top nines and a solid player on a lot of teams, top nines. And he's kind of like very comparable for me to Yanni Kuokinen. And that's that his skating makes me wonder if he might be a little bit better of a fit with a less high-tempo team. I think it's unfair to grade him right now. Um, like I said earlier, he just hasn't played enough. I think everybody kind of set unrealistic expectations for him this season. So 
I think it's unfair to put a grade on somebody with, I mean, this is his 14th. He just played his 14th NHL game the other night and was fine. I mean, I'm going to wait till after the trade deadline to say anything because I don't know what the future holds for Morgan Geeky on this roster right now, just given the sheer amount of depth. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, 100% with Matt here. I gave him a grade of not applicable. Just, <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't realistically you know, give him a, a grade based off the sample size we've seen this year. And with what Matt touched on, that you know the, the 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 expectations were just unrealistically high for him, and I think we're seeing a little more of you know what we expected from Morgan Geeky versus you know kind of what he showed last year. So no grade, but um, well we we can we can kind of circle back to this you know in a few weeks from now. Our next player on the roster is none other than Hamilton. The uh, wait, Dougie Hamilton, not the pig. Excuse me, I hate myself so much. All right, for Hamilton, I gave him a B. Um, I can see already, where you disagree. <laughs> this already almost feels too low, and if he keeps playing like he has the last few games, this is going to go up very, very fast. Um, he kind of seemed slow and timid initially when he, you know, his first few games back this season, coming back from a big leg injury like that, it's kind of hard to trust yourself. I think that's something that we've kind of discussed here before. But um, he really seems to be getting back to his old self, both offensively and defensively lately. Um and the fact that he still contributed a monster offensive season, even without being at his best, is just a testament to how good of a hockey player he really is. Yep. I gave him an A. Um, I think, I mean, he's the team's wow. leading scorer on defense. Uh, a lot of the Dougie Hamilton hate has been unjustified this season, shockingly. Um, <laughs> it, again, it just comes down to where the Canes have a defenseman that's doing really well. Dougie's skating has never been a strong suit, and I'd argue that his defense hasn't, ever really been his strongest suit either so i mean he's been fine in those regards i think his offensive game he hasn't missed a beat it's just all of the shots that he's having are getting tipped in by vincent trocek so you know there's something to be said about that but i i'm giving him an a because i think that we are getting the most out of dougie right now and that's important yeah um on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, I did this exact uh, kind of rating system. I just did the defenseman, and I had Dougie Hamilton at a C plus um, at that point. Since then, I've elevated I've elevated him now to a B because offensive game has been fine. Um, he's contributing. I just still have some concerns with the overall pace and you know just the IQ defensively, which if he wasn't playing versus uh, beside Jacob Slavin, I think would be much more noticeable than what we're seeing now. But uh, for for right now, he's a B. All right. Next player on the list is the best player on the Carolina Hurricanes in the roster. You know him as number 78. I know him as my best friend. <laughs> it is Steven Lorenz. Friend of the podcast. Steven friend, of the, friend of the podcast. We talk all the time, guys. He's my boy. I'm also kidding. Brandon, all right. just stop flexing. <laughs> all right. I gave him an A. I said Steven Lorenz has filled his role to an absolute T. He provides energy, creates havoc on the forecheck and backcheck, doesn't make very many mistakes. His offense will come. Um, he's had some chances. They really haven't gone for him, but it seems like almost every single game he gets himself in position. And it's like every single game we play, the opposing goalie makes his best save on the rents. Seriously. Right. I've noticed that so many times lately. It's very frustrating. But even if he hasn't scored that much, um, you know, he's still a net positive for me just because – he makes a positive impact seemingly every time he's on the ice. Um, And I think those points are going to start to come soon enough. So 
Part of me wants to give Steven Lawrence a B plus for his effort this season. Part of me also thinks that, you know, I should use the same logic I did for Morgan Geeky. Um, because these are his first 17 NHL games this year. I think, like you said, Brandon, he's filled his role perfectly. So if I were to give him a grade, I would give him a B plus because I know there's more offense in his game and I know he knows there's more offense in his game. But I think it's also kind of unfair to judge him off of just a couple, just less than 20 NHL games thus far. Um, I've actually got him at an A-. minus. Um, I think his energy level has been exactly what I expected from him. He's contributed in all the ways I've expected. And, you know, offensively, he's actually given a little more than I kind of expected, especially so close to the beginning of his transition into the NHL. I think he's been very dangerous with the puck. You know, he looks creative. Uh, he looks confident. So I've got an A- minus for him, and uh, I've been really impressed with his play. Moving right along. Next is alternate captain, fourth-line winger slash center, Jordan Mudbrook. Um, I gave him a C-. On the one hand, he's probably had some of his better games in the last week or so. Um, he seems like he's gotten maybe a half-step back that he had lost upon his initial return from COVID. Um, but I still just – don't think he's exactly irreplaceable in this lineup. I think even a guy like Paquette could make him expendable once Trocek and Teravainen return, and Lorenz has clearly outplayed him for me. So I'd say he's been a little bit under what I expected for him ahead of this season, which leads to AC minus. C. I mean, Martinuk was never going to replicate um, his first season with the Hurricanes. That was kind of an anomaly. He scored um, a freaking hat trick, dude. <laughs> and he was just, yeah, I mean, he was playing with Spetch too, and you have to think about that. But, like, he's been fine. And, again, it's another one of the cases where it's like, nobody on this team has played poorly. He's just been fine. Yeah. Uh, that's that's fair. You guys are making me think my greed might be a little harsh. But, there you I know, go. I've, got, I've got a D. Um, like, like you said, Brandon, I just I don't think he's irreplaceable in this roster, I think. The young guys who've come in have been, you know, better than him. I think he's probably been the least effective forward from the bunch. And, you know, I'm not going to quite go as far as Kane's Twitter and say he's a glorified hype man. But I'm just, I just don't love his contributions as a whole. I don't even think he's that great on the penalty kill, which is supposed to be his forte. Um, yeah, for me, he's a D. And um, I, I think they do have some better options. All right. It's their first D we've given out yet, guys. We need to be a little bit harder yeah. on our grades here. Eh? That, oh, I mean, it, it's tough when you've won 20 of 28 games, <laughs> right. you know? I guess that's fair. All right, next. Some people are going to want to start recording right now because they're going to be shocked by what I have to say about Brock McGinn. <sighs> I gave Brock <laughs> – BCB, baby. I gave Brock McGinn an A. Uh, wow. Yeah. This has probably been his best year in the NHL for me. Um He's really actually becoming a, lead, a leader and tone setter for this club, I believe, honestly. Um, super clutch. I mean, blocking shots, giving up his body to cl- get a clear on the penalty kill, or scoring goals when the Hurricanes really, really need it. Like, all year long, he has seemed to come up with big plays right when this team has needed it. And, I mean, I couldn't give him anything less than an A, to be totally honest with you. A- minus for me. I mean, you know, as of late, he's kind of returned to – the Brock McGinn, we kind of all know, minus, you know, all the posts. He's still uh, making plays, like, yeah, defensively I mean, like, mostly he, now, but he's still well, that's, noticeable. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, there's the right. minus is just because, like, 
and maybe this is me just kind of being a little quote harsh on Brock, but like, I, I still don't think he's going to be an elite offensive player. I just think that, you know what, like he's been really good this season and I need to acknowledge that as, as painful as it is. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm giving him an A. Um, he's contributed on every line he's been on, whether it be the first line, third line, fourth line. And uh, as I've been saying since last year, um, if there's any one penalty kill at any moment of any game, if I could choose one forward in the NHL, I'm taking Brock McGinn as my guy. I truly believe he is just elite in that regard. He doesn't shy away from anything. He is fearless. Uh, Just give me Brock McGinn on any penalty kill. And I have the utmost faith in the world that I'll be good to go. So he's an A, mostly because he's outperformed what I expected from him offensively. But as far as defensively and his penalty killing efforts go, it's exactly what I've expected from him. All right. So the next player on the list is actually Peter Morazic, but that is obviously not really one that deserves a grade. I would say if we were going to grade that three-game sample, it probably would be an A+. Just in case you guys forgot, he was out of his mind those first three games. He had two shutouts and another, I don't remember the exact save or whatever it was, but another spectacular performance on top of that. So just reminding you, Peter Morazic was fantastic. And if he can come back and be what he was or – you know, maybe that's unrealistic, but at least halfway decent. And, and a tandem with Ned Elkovich, that gives the Hurricanes a really, really nice one-two punch. Moving on, the next player on the list is Czech youngster Martin Natchez. Now, for me, I gave him an A-. minus. Uh, he's taken a gigantic step this year. Now, he's proved to be one of the brightest rising wingers in the league. Um, speed makes him a threat at any point particularly specialty situations where, you know, there's more room to operate on the ice and let his skill and skating take over. Um, if he can figure out how to be just a little bit more dynamic at five on five, then he's probably going to be one of the best players in the NHL. But I will say last night was one of those nights, you know, he's up on the top line playing with Sebastian Ajo and he was probably the best player on the ice except for freaking Adam Ernie. But anyway, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just gets an A from me. He's been fantastic this season, and there's really nothing I can complain about. Yeah, um, he's my one and only A+. I just think he's been absolutely phenomenal. We're seeing what kind of a dynamic presence he can be. And I'll quickly add in that I went today and looked back at the 2017 draft, and there's no doubt in my mind that the the, the Canes absolutely stole this kid at number 12 in a redraft today. He is probably number five in that draft and, you know, maybe even rising above that. All right. right. So we'll keep it moving. The next player is Alex Nedeljkovic. Um, I don't know how you could give him anything but an A. Uh, He's been absolutely dynamite this year. Huge reason the Canes have had the success they've had coming in and, you know, not giving them any drop-off really whatsoever and even outperforming James Reimer, honestly, up up until this point. Um. His athleticism, puck playing ability, rebound control, they just make him – to me, he's a really good fit for what the Hurricanes do, especially with their defense because he helps them get the puck out on the breakout really quickly. And, I mean, he's just been really good at keeping the damn puck out of the net. I mean, nothing more to it than that. Give him an extension, kids. Um, I'm giving that a B. And here's my reason why. Jeez. It'll be quick. It'll be – a B is a good grade That's for That's harsh. Me. A B. Yeah. Man – Ned Only has a little been, above your expectations for him. Okay. 
Ned's been good. And I think he's performing better than I expected him to. But I also think we're kind of viewing him with a little bit of rose-colored glasses because he's new. And I think, you know what? I think we're kind of getting... Like, you know how I mentioned that we're really hard on Reimer? Everybody's trying to defend Ned and nobody's really talking about the mistakes that Ned's making. Now, granted, Ned's mistakes have been a little less glaring... But I think I think that Ned's just kind of been he's been good but not great, and I think he's made so that, many saves that Ned or that Reimer is not making lately. I, I think he's been. Yeah, I, 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 is, though, I don't agree stunned. with you, but that's fine. God, I'm stunned. <laughs> the I'm thing stunned. is, though, you know what? At the end of the day, the Canes find ways to win in front of Reimer too. I mean, that's fine, but he's kept wow. – Nadalkovic has kept them in games they had no business being in. He has sure. helped them win games that they had no business winning. So has Reimer, Reimer has been, season. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, okay. okay. Reimer wins games because they score four or five goals. Yeah, okay. They didn't allow that fourth or fifth goal. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm listen. That, that is okay, great listen. logic. Okay, listen. But I, I you can't... know what? Mrazek like, was the better goalie in that stretch and, like, you know what? That's the goalie Ed? performance, Mrazek. We talking about? Like I'm saying, like this season in goaltending, you've had one goalie actually perform like to a great standard, and that's Mrazek. For three games, that yes. had a good three game stretch too. Really good three game stretch. Yeah. Recently. But I, I'm, I'm honestly stunned. I, yeah. I I've got to be honest here, Matt. I'm uh, I'm honestly Thanks. stunned. I thought this would be you know the one kind of the one guy that we'd all be unanimous unanimously just A's across the board on. Um, I'm, obviously I, I want to. I'm just really like got like I'm noticing the, the mistakes that Ned's making and nobody else's and I'm just like guys I know what, what, mis- doing. I, what mistakes are you referring okay look I don't know I'm not saying holy crap he's gonna be our starter he is the best goalie we have had and since his position six cam war oh, his man. positioning is arguably oh. worse than any goalie I've ever seen Oh man, oh man. Okay, uh, I will say this. Let me get my grade in here. Before. My dude has because, happy. No, 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 no. Sorry, let, 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 let me get my grade in here because I, I can. You say that t- when take you take a look watch- at take a look at Brandon's camera here. This guy looks like he's about to blow a gasket. So he's I, I will. So get, mad. I will, no, no. I'm gonna get my grade in here very, very quickly so I can just shut up and let you guys go at it. But I've got an A. Um, he's top five among qualified goaltenders with a 9.29 save percentage. I just think he's been fantastic. I think, you know, he showed. Great, great reason to have belief in him, uh, not only now, but moving forward as a potential future option. Um, I'm going to let Brandon take it away, though, because I, it, it, I, he's just, he looks like he's ready to <laughs> unleash on you, and I'm kind of ready Brandon for it. Because with like, a B, no, no, with a B, with a B rating, you deserve whatever Brandon's got coming for you. Earlier, Brandon was like, to... yeah, we need to we need to spend less time on players now because we got to keep moving. <laughs> until into until this you thing. started this. No, no, until you started this. Well, hey. I've changed my mind now, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You really want to sit here and talk about Nadelkovich's positioning when I just watched James Reimer flop around his crease and flail at the puck for no reason at least three Buddy, Ned does the same night. thing. <laughs> no, but he's contr- he's athletic and he gets side to side in a hurry, but he's not flying out of the crease and looking like he's tripping over himself for no reason like I saw last night. 
I don't okay. know about that. His rebound control is 10 times better. He gets side to side better. He I, And the puck playing ability, like I said, it just plays into what the Hurricanes do. It helps him get pucks out in a hurry. Of course. They have so much less to worry about on the forecheck than a lot of teams because of how well he plays the puck. And I mean, just as a whole, he's stopped the puck. He's held on to it. And he hasn't dropped it right in front of him, even though it's a shot from 50 feet away with no screen that Reimer can't hold on to. See, anyway, see, I've turned this is, into ragging on Reimer, and I should have done let that. Me do, but... Let me mention one more thing before we – because we still have to grade Reimer. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> let me say one, one last thing to kind of defend myself on the positioning thing. It's that like Ned's out of position a lot, and for whatever reason, NHL teams can't put the puck in. It's like we're watching like the 2015-16 Hurricanes in front of them, like in their own crease, like – Ned just flops around and somehow the puck doesn't go in. There not have been times where Reimer... he's gotten over aggressive. Like it's true. And he's and I'm kind not of saying that over doesn't do that. by sliding across. Yeah. Sorry. And I think, I think that that eventually is going to come and bite him. That's fair. Once, and once teams like, know that they can get him out, once they have that film and they study that, they're going to know to exploit that. Like, I know that, what you're talking that's about. Fair, and... but to give him a B because of that now, just that that's just a little bit harsh for me. I well, thought I was a harsh one. That's just... just in case. But early yeah, on, you did see there were times where they, you know, on like breakaways and chances like that, they'd get him to bite on their first move and have an easy goal because they'd you know deke around him and tuck the goal in. Oh yeah, yeah that happened a couple just, times. He's just on. stood on his head lately, and I mean, yeah, yeah. I agree, and yeah. I think I think part of that early stuff can be attributed to overexcitement trying to make his mark and being over eager to make a save but I, I feel like he's kind of starting to improve on that and he's not biting as much on the first move I do still think it is something he's going to have to continue to adapt on because other NHL teams are going to go to school on that watch that on film and think you know if I get in on a two-on-one if I fake a shot quickly he might commit really quickly and then they can just make one quick move to the left or right change the yeah. angle just a little bit and have net to shoot at. I mean, you would hope he'd uh, kind of learn and adjust from that as well, um, especially, you know, if it's a recurring issue. So I, I think it kind of plays both ways. Um, just I, I just think based on the overall sample size that we've seen, I mean, to give him a B is is super harsh considering some of the other grades we've given out. But, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to question it, Matt. Your grade is your grade. And uh, <laughs> we could talk about this all day. So let's move Like I along. said, we don't have to uh, agree on everything. All right, the next player. Let's go ahead and stop this before I uh, burst a blood vessel. Nino Niederreiter. Uh, I give Nino an A-. minus. Um, he's had a monstrous bounce back year. He's actually now tied for the Hurricanes lead in uh, goal scoring with the injured Vincent Trocek after his uh, 13th. He's actually sitting out just outside the top 10 in the entire NHL if you remove the Mickey Mouse division. He's he's not really you know a primary play driver. He never really has been, but he's being used in a top six role where he can just play off guys like Aho, and it just fits his game to a T as a finisher and forechecker. He's been really good on the forecheck as well this year. Yeah, okay, I'll go next. Um, I've also got a for Nino Niederreiter. Um, I think a lot of Kane's Twitter um, owes him an apology. I can go back <laughs> to some tweets I had last year, you know, in the summer and kind of in the fall leading up to the season. I said, you know, who's with me that I think Nino Niederreiter can have a bounce-back season. And there was a lot of trade him, he's washed, he's overpaid, not going to happen, this and that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I just think I think a lot of people owe him an apology. I just think last year he's one of the most unlucky players um, in the league as far as finishing and stuff went. You could still see 
the presence he had on the ice. You could still see he was getting to the right areas. Just things kind of weren't going his way. He wasn't getting the bounces that he usually does. Um, and it, it's kind of gone back to the mean this year where, you know, now it's kind of everything's going in for him, but it's also deserved. And the eye test matches up to the overall results. So he's been an A and um, uh, I, I expect to continue to see good play from uh, Niederreiter, especially, you know, him and, him and Aho have had chemistry since he first came over in that trade a couple of years ago. And you're still continuing to see it. So for me, he's been an A and he's been one of the Hurricanes most important players in the season so far. Yeah. I mean, I'm giving him an A for pretty much the exact same reasons. The fact that he's leading the team or tied for the team's leading goals this season is night and day from what he was last year. And I think that the Canes, you know, have benefited from the resurgence of Nino Niederreiter. I mean, we kind of talked about uh, on Twitter that one of the keys to this season was going to be Nino's resurgence. We also talked about Dezingle's resurgence, but, you know, well, win some, you lose some. It's, it's, it's <laughs> happening now. It's happening. It's just happening in Ottawa. That's the only, that's the only problem, but. All right. Up next is the guy, incidentally, we got for Ryan Dezingle, and that is bruising forward Cedric Paquette. Uh, I gave Paquette a B. Um, I said he's been kind of a factor on an almost nightly basis. Uh, he plays a lot, of, a lot of heavy hits. He works hard, and he's even contributed a handful of points since he's gotten here. Um, I think the biggest impact we're going to see out of Paquette is when we get to the postseason. Um, you know, as a veteran guy who's won a Stanley Cup and he knows how to handle the grind of a playoff push and uh, and knows how to win in May and June, that's going to be extremely valuable to a super young team. Yeah, so yep. I'm going to give Paquette um, – you know what? <laughs> Again, this kind of goes on the line with, like, you know, the Warren Fogels. Like, Paquette's been fine. You know, he gets a C from me. Or, like, he hasn't done anything super great, super noticeable, but he's filled his role nicely. I don't think he's been anything other than what the Canes wanted him to be. Yeah. Yeah, fair. I'm with you on that. Um, I've got a C on him. I, I – arguably could probably grade him a little lower. I mean, he's playing six or seven minutes a night for a reason. He's just not a great hockey player, but <laughs> as far as filling his role, I think he's been fine. Um, like, like Brandon mentioned, I think definitely as the season progresses, you'll kind of see more of an impact from him based on, you know, why the hurricanes acquired him and, you know, what kind of role they want him to fill. But yeah, I've got to see just because I don't see anything spectacular for him, but I think in the role that's meant for him, he's, he's been a, a, a fine fit. Next up, I have most of my A grades I gave an A- minus to, and now I have one of the guys that I just gave a straight-up A to, and that's been Brett Pesci. Pesci's been an absolute monster this season. Um, I mean, the offensive breakout is just kind of a feather in the cap for a guy who's one of the best defenders in hockey. Um, in an 82-game season, he's on a 40-point pace right now. Um, just – been huge been probably the hurricanes mvp on the back end with slavin's you know struggles returning from covid yeah i mean there's pesci gets an a from me as well for pretty much the exact same reasons he's just been phenomenal night in night out is this uh is this the first instance of straight a's across the board i think so i i think it might be but uh yeah it would have been if i was nice to nadelkovich (laughs) yeah yeah i've I've got an a for pesci Are Um, are you trying to get back into this again matt Dear God, no! Stop. <laughs> yeah, no, Make no, it I've got, <laughs> I've got, um, I've got an A for Pesci. The only thing I will say is, you know, I can probably do without him on the power play. I think that's he kind gets, of a little forced. 
why does he keep shooting so much? I've noticed that I, lately. I it's like every time he gets the puck, he one times into somebody. Like man, it's just like, I don't. Right. I don't think he's got the offensive IQ to be out there on the power play. I think the world of him as a player, but I just think yeah. you know, so some guys should just be kept in their in their role and not really forced to do, you know, things that don't come naturally to them. And I think Brett Pesci on the power play is a perfect instance of that. Mind you, he's just been incredible. Probably the Hurricanes MVP to this point. And I can almost go an A plus, but I'll go an A. Just because I think maybe you should have someone else in this spot on the power play. Maybe a Brady Shea to get him going, but uh, I'm at an A. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Bean really needs the training wheels of another defenseman anymore at this point to begin with. That's a different discussion for a different day. All right, up next we got James Reimer. We've talked about him a bunch already. As you can see from the excitement in my voice, I gave him a C-. minus. He had actually been pretty good up until the last start against Detroit where he was really just not – um, you know, as I've said, he's kind of been that calming presence and made some big saves late in games over the course of the season. So I couldn't really go any lower than that. But I think the fact that Nedeljkovic has come up and played as well as he has kind of probably maybe even unfairly bumps down that grade a little bit for me. Reimer gets a C for me. He's been historically what he's always been, a good backup that struggles in a starter role. And you know what? He's the, the team and James have found ways to win when he's not having his best night and when the team's not having their best night. So you know what? C. Yeah. Um, I actually gave him a B. I think, you know, it's in, in a lot of instances, as I mentioned earlier, he's, you know, bailed the team out, um, especially as games progress, you know, when things are on the line, I found he's kind of elevated his game. So despite a lot of the hate he's kind of getting from the fan base as a whole, I actually think he's been fine and, shouldn't really be compared to the other two goalies um, to grade him off based off of and compared to the league. He's, he's been solid. All right. And we continue with the fun ones. Cause now we have the resident whipping boy of the Carolina hurricanes, oh, no. shady Brady, Brady Shay. Um, <laughs> give me time to explain myself here. I gave him a B. Shay has been better than people give him credit for. Absolutely. He's not great offensively. And he's been snake bitten, which makes the numbers even worse. But and, and he also has some mind numbing defensive lapses at times where he commits a bad turnover or, you know, loses his man for a great A chance. And, you know, but a lot of times those don't even end up hurting the team. You know, there haven't been that many times where it's been like, oh, crap, Brady just totally lost his guy and gave up a goal. It's happened. It hasn't happened as much as some people on Kane's Twitter would make you think. And his penalty yeah. killing work has been very, very good. Um, he eats a lot of minutes without hurting the team most nights and often in some pretty tough matchups. And there's a lot of value in that when the Canes have the star power on their blue line they have. Yeah, the only I'm giving him a B minus. And the only reason why I'm giving him a slightly lower grade than you did, because I also don't think I think, you know, he's been fine. He, he has the knack of taking stupid penalties. Yeah. And the Canes use him as a penalty killer and he's a good penalty killer. So when he's in the box, you know, it hurts the team. And that's true. We're not reaching like Justin Williams levels of like taking a penalty to cancel your own power play yet. (laughs) Um, But we're not ready for that conversation. Yeah. um, I've got a C for Brady Shea. I'm seeing um, Justin Falk levels of defensive awareness where he just kind of oblivious to what's going on around him I, I just I don't love his defensive game I think without a steady presence like 
Brett Pesci beside him, it would be probably a lot worse than it's looked. Um, and the reason I'm giving him a C as well is because, you know, when, when they acquired him, he was kind of labeled to be, you know, more of an offensive guy. He had some good point totals in New York, even though I never really think he's been an offensive, you know, dynamo or anything per se. I just, I haven't seen anything really dynamic about him at all um, offensively. And I, I definitely think I expected more, or maybe he has more to give um, in that regard. Yeah, like Brandon, like you said, he's been snake bitten a little, but I just haven't seen anything about him that made me, makes me really think, you know, this guy's got $5 million worth of production uh, to offer to match up to his contract. So for me, he's been a C relative to the expectations, relative to what they're paying him. And um, I've just, I've been a little disappointed with him as a whole. All right, up next, we got Jacob Slavin. Um, I gave him a B plus. You know, he obviously has a valid excuse as one of the players that dealt with COVID, but the beginning of the year was definitely a struggle for him. Um, he definitely didn't have his explosive first step, uh, uncharacteristic mental mistakes. He even lost like a handful of one-on-one battles and rushes, which like, I'm not sure I've ever seen that from Jacob Slavin before this year. Um, but that just speaks to how great of a player he is, you know. Uh, lately, he kind of seems to be getting back to his old self, continuing to establish himself as one of the best defensemen on the entire planet. Um, and I look for him to start getting a little bit more involved offensively in the next few weeks. Guys, this is another unpopular one. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm giving Jacob Slavin a C plus. And that's with the COVID grace period in mind. I think that Jacob Slavin should be the Carolina Hurricanes' best defenseman. And he has not been this season on most nights, even without, you know, that like couple weeks after he had COVID. And that's not an indictment on Slavin necessarily. I think the Canes defensive depth is just phenomenal. And you know what? It's okay if Slavin's not our best defenseman on certain nights. It's just, we have yet to see the truly elite defenseman that Jacob Slavin is on a night in night out basis. No, we haven't. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I actually had him as uh, a B plus, same as Brandon, basically because of, you know, everything Brandon mentioned. So I won't really spend any more time on that. But yeah, B plus because I think he's got more to give. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, he's still been very good. Yeah, and I think he's moving in the right direction, but hopefully we see that continue to progress. All right, up next, I have the only A plus that I gave out for this entire exercise, which it sucks that he, of course, I broke these out yesterday before the game, and then he went and had his worst game of the entire season. But that is Jordan Stahl. I'm not going to change his grade based off one bad game, but they were not noticeable at all last night. That Stahl line was just not good. Um, but like I said, he's the only player I got. This, I gave this top grade to. Uh, he's been the best Hurricanes' best player consistently this season, I think. Um, his game really never wavers. It's something I said last week, I believe, when we talked about him. Um, you can always count on him to play those tough minutes, be insanely hard to play against, and just be the Hurricanes on-ice leader, show why he wears that C on his crest. And now the offense is coming through, and, you know, he's basically single-handedly won the Hurricanes a handful of games. So right. I would argue he's been one of the most valuable players in the NHL this season, and he deserves the Selkie cowards. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Stahl, I'm giving him an A-plus as well. And I said that Bean was going to be my only one, and I think you've kind of convinced me to be less harsh. Stahl hasn't wavered from his game, and I don't think he's doing anything differently this year. It's just the points are finally That's going in, yeah. 
and you know what? That's perfect for the Canes. Yeah, I was going to give him an A um, until I heard both of your arguments, and um, I think <laughs> I'm with you guys as well. I'm going to put him up to an A+, plus, um, especially thinking back early in the year. I remember when Jordan Stahl first went out with COVID, and I think it was I think the Hurricanes played Detroit, and they they lost that game, and you just seen – um, you know, the difference the impact, he has. the impact. Yeah. You, you just, you noticed that Jordan Stahl wasn't there. Um, the team, the effort level wasn't quite there, the cohesion and um, based on his leadership, I mean, it, it's hard to speak on not being there in the locker room and whatnot, but I mean, you can just see it from an outsider's perspective that, uh, you know, what he means to the group overall. So I think uh, I said Natchez was my only a plus, but um I think it would be wrong not to give Jordan Stahl um, an A-plus as well based off what we've seen from him this year. Can't really think of any reason not to give him that grade, so A-plus for Jordan Stahl. Who says we don't see eye to eye? We had our first time agreeing on all A's with Pesci, and now we have all A-pluses on Jordan Stahl. Look at that. It's beautiful. All right, up next, we got the young Russian phenom, Andrei Svechnikov. This one's tough. I gave him a B-minus. Um, this year has not really been what I'd hoped for from Andrei Svechnikov. And, and not that it really matters in the grand scheme of things because he's still clearly one of the most talented, young, rising superstars in the sport. But he's just had an issue finding a rhythm this year. And he's moving up and down the lineup. And, I, I mean, the puck's just not going in for him lately. You know, the other night he had that what should have been snipe on Bernier that goes off the knob of his stick. You know, he's just snake bit a little bit. Um, he's still a beast. He's still capable of taking over any given minute. And it wouldn't be surprising at all for me to see this look stupid in a week or two because he takes off and starts going nuts. And maybe he won't break out until next year and he'll, you know, score 50 goals and 100 points in a real 82 game season. I don't know. But for me, Andres Fetchnikov, B minus. Yeah, I'm giving him a B. I mean, Svech has absolutely taken control of some games this year. Yep. And there have been a lot of games in the same but hand where I haven't noticed him at all. Yep. And the last game against Detroit, yeah. he's just not very good. Struggling, turning the puck over, frustrated. He did deck Robbie Fabry, though, which is pretty cool. It's just one of those things where I need to see Svetch be Svetch consistently, and he just isn't right now. And it's okay. He's not even 21 yet. Like yeah. We have time. <laughs> Yeah, I've got him at a B, probably a B plus right now. I think it's mostly based on about the first 10 games of the season or so. I thought he was a Hurricanes best forward overall. I mean, oh, yeah. he, just looked, he just looked like he was primed to emerge as a superstar, like a legitimate one. He was just overtaking every game. Um, but a little more recently, you've seen some frustration from him. You've seen him being a little snake bit, kind of going through it a little. It's all part of the growth process, but... Um, you know, I, I definitely think he's got another another level to reach, specifically what we've seen earlier in the year. So I've got him as a B, just be, or B plus, I'd say, just because of the inconsistencies. But um, I'm not worried about him in the future at all. I think, you know, he's going to be one of the premier players in this league um, as he continues to grow and reaches his prime. But um, right now, he's just got to work through um, the difficult patch that he's kind of going through. But um, when he gets back on track, let me tell you, the Hurricanes are going to be even more of a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. All right. <clears throat> now we got another one that we probably maybe won't even give a grade to, and that's Tabo Um 
it's just been a nightmare of a year for Tavo, honestly. Uh, out with COVID, struggled to find his footing once he came back. And then now he's obviously dealing with a concussion after a tough hit from Nikita Zadorov. Is that who it was? After yeah, a tough I think, hit. I think it was Zadorov. I think it was, but I don't I don't remember 100%. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so, I mean, it's probably an incomplete grade for me. I, I, I just feel bad giving him like a C or something like that when he's obviously just barely gotten to play and struggled to find his footing when he has. Yep, I'm in the same boat as you. Mm. Yeah, me too. Uh, no grade, just because, I mean, I think he's been fine when he's played, but uh, we just, we haven't seen him at his peak this year. So I think it's unfair to grade him based off what we've seen, but um, it is a testament to the Hurricanes roster and the depth as a whole, um, how good they performed without, you know, having Terrible Teravine at his best or even in the lineup. So yeah. um, incomplete for now, but, uh, you know, let's hope he comes back and gets on the right track. Well, the Hurricanes need him to desperately because this team's ceiling, and if they really want to compete for a Stanley Cup, I don't know that it really happens without Tampo Terabino being that dominant two-way winger he can be. Quietly dominant, but dom- dominant nonetheless. All right, and the last player alphabetically going on the Carolina Hurricanes roster is another guy that unfortunately is now down with an injury, but up until his injury was one of the best players on the roster, and that is Vincent Trocek. I gave him an A. Um, he's been absolutely stellar this year. You know, it's such a shame that the injury came when it was because, and it's, you know, more severe than initially expected because, you know, he was just taking over games every single night. He seemed to be making a huge play, always in the right spot at the right time, creating that net front presence, getting deflection goals, rebound goals. And, you know, much like with Tara Bynan, the Hurricanes only reached their ceiling with Vincent Trocek back fully healthy and playing at a high level because, you know, we've seen the, the dynamic aspect he adds to this roster when he's on. Trocek is on the cusp of being an A plus for me, but I'm going to settle on an A as well, just because of how perfect of a fit he's been. Um, The injury is definitely really unfortunate to the team. And I I don't think there's been a player that we've had in years that's been as good at um, just getting like those tip in goals or like the tap ins or, you know, just anything on the rebound. I think it's really hard for the Canes to have found somebody like that. You know, I was already kind of fighting with a grade in my head. I said Natchez would be the only A plus, and then I added Stall to the group. But now that I've listened to you guys, I think I have Vincent Trocek as an A plus, just because my own individual um, expectations for him. I'm kind of thinking like, what more could I have reasonably expected from Vincent Trocek? Um, I'm just, I don't see any area that I actually could have expected him to do any better than he's currently doing in. Um, so I think I've got an A plus for him. I mean, he's just been vital to the group overall. And um, I just, I, I, I'm struggling to find anything that I reasonably think he could do better in. So I think that warrants an A plus for me. Well, folks, All right, we're done. That is, <laughs> yeah, but, well, yes. folks, that is it for our grades. And I think, you know what? That's a good point to wrap up for this podcast as well. We've already kept y'all long enough. As always, we want to thank y'all for listening. I know that, you know what? It's been a fantastic season for the Carolina Hurricanes, and we really appreciated your support. As always, you can find us on Twitter at BWStanley26, at Future Canes, and at Canes Prospects or Canes Netfront if you really want to be cool. As always, it is a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.